Welcome, listeners, to the second episode of Dueling Mic Sabers. This is Roy T. Olivea. This is Darren DeVore. I can't even like explain how excited <laughs> I am to get into our second episode. Yes. Um, we're kind of introducing some new segments into our podcast. We're going to start doing a top three. Um, this week's top three will be on the top three lightsaber duels. So we'll just mention our top three. Yep. Talk about why and, and what they are. Maybe throw in some honorable mentions. Um, we're also going to introduce a new moment. It's called the Maestro's Moment. The Maestro referring to John Williams, the one and only. The, yeah, I was going to say the where, one and only Maestro. Yeah, where we'll highlight uh, you know, a piece of music from the Star Wars saga. Um, and then we're going to do what's called, the, we're calling it... Uh, the Galactic Review. The Galactic Review. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. So I love uh, to dive into the comic books and the books and the TV shows. And so I'm going to be reviewing one of those aspects... Now, I wish that I could dedicate all my time to being fully up to date. Now, I have a lot of the books, but I haven't read them yet. So it may be reviewing material that has that was released a few months ago, but at least you can get my thoughts on it. Yeah, but today we have an awesome review yes. ready to go for the recently released uh, Rebels um, episodes. Did you, did you see it? Yeah, I watched it. Oh my yeah, gosh. I'm yeah, so excited your thoughts. It. it was chomping at the bits, man. That was a, that was a, that was a doozy. So yeah, we'll talk about that. <clears throat> yeah. And if you haven't watched that, press pause right now and go watch the episodes and then hop back on. Oh, Cause really? we're going to get spoiler crazy with it. Yeah, that. we are. Um, yeah, you've been warned. Yeah. And, and then we're going to go into, uh, the sim- symbols that we saw in the force awakens in the last Jedi. That'll be yeah. kind of the rest of the, yeah. our podcast topic. So um, let's dive right into it. All right, right. Okay. Say, top three lightsaber. Do you want to go okay. first? Go yeah, first? you go first. Okay, so I'm going to go from three to one. Okay. So my number Build three. The yeah, my number three is is uh, Obi Wan versus Darth Maul on Star Wars Rebels. Mm. Now, okay. so the reason why, for those of you who've seen it, this was probably the shortest lightsaber duel ever. It was about. Talk about the one like in Tatooine. Yeah, like, yeah. Like at the, the bonfire. Okay. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> so this is. The, the, the final encounter between Obi-Wan and Darth Maul. And there's a lot of build-up to this duel because of not only Episode One Phantom Menace, but also the Clone Wars TV show, especially in, in the later seasons. And the reason why I love this one so much is because I think it really explains why Obi-Wan and Darth Vader have such a... Uh, what I think what you would define as maybe boring when it comes to visually as a lightsaber battle. Because this one is Darth Maul and Obi Wan is very short. It's about two seconds long, and what they why very they, short. Yeah, yeah, why they did it that way was in in samurai lore, from my understanding, what they described with their inspiration for this was that when you were really good at fighting, the fighting was actually really short. It wasn't drawn out how we see in movies. It was very very <laughs> short. So you see two people who are masters at their craft, or recalculate the moves they want to do, and then just did it. Right, and so it really then shows with Darth, with uh, Darth Vader and Obi Wan in, in A New Hope, that it's very calculated and they're very precise. It's oh, not just going okay. and attacking each other. It's yeah. you're making calculated moves and really testing each other out more so than you would if you're younger and less experienced. So I really like that. Uh, number so, so no stamina needed for no like, no for real yeah it was <laughs> really it was it was very very quick very short. And then the second one I'd say is Luke versus Darth Vader round two in, in Return of the Jedi. I just, I just love the moment, the music building up and, and seeing the, the angst between Darth Vader and what he wants to do and, yeah. and really trying to make his decision which side he wants to go, light or dark, you know, Emperor or Luke. That's the first one that's on my list. Like, that's yeah. that first one on your list? Because of the music. like Yeah, the music he, is... That's the first time like John Williams introduced choral music into yes, the, yeah. the saga. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and like, there's so much, there's so much going on uh, in that fight. Yeah. Like, emotionally. Emotionally. With the lighting, like... And with the emperor there, just like 
talking it. Yes. You know, you know it's, it's so good. Yeah, and I, I also really love the conflict as well. I mean, you have you have two Skywalkers who are really trying to decide which way are they going to go and right. being tempted to go light or dark. And so seeing that conflict just... Yeah, music, cinematically, what it means to the saga. Really love it. Which in The Last Jedi, it's like the same scene with, with Kylo. Yes. And, and uh-huh. maybe they are two Skywalkers. We don't know. But yeah. <laughs> with Kylo and Rey, and Kylo pulls a samurai and like kills Snoke in like yep. five seconds. Spoiler alert. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, so I love that. And then number one is Obi-Wan versus Anakin in yeah. Revenge of the Sith. Okay. I think visually it's, it's just awesome. You have visually of Anakin descending into hell, you know, going through Mustafar lava, and then they're going down. From the from the building into Look at that. the ground. I didn't even think about that. Right? Yeah, so I I forgot where I read that, but I that was really cool symbolism. I love also the choir music and that one how it really ties in the choir music and re, yeah. from the Jedi. Oh yeah. Um, and then just the ending of of Obi Wan when when Anakin is struck down and just that whole exchange of Anakin showing or Obi Wan showing love and Anakin showing hate. And really make that decisive moment of their their paths are really diverging into. You're like making me change my lightsaber duel. Really, <laughs> so, man, I didn't, like I didn't think about those things. Oh uh, yeah, that's, so that's those, those are my those are my top three. Yeah, and if anyone knows, Darren is obsessed with the lightsaber duel I, between Anakin. And I am. It, 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 to me, it, it still gets me emotional, and I, I find it really, I get chills actually when yeah. I watch it every time. Yeah. That's how nerdy we get on dueling mic sabers. Very true. We get emotional. Yep. We get emotional when we watch lightsaber duels. Yep. So that's how we roll. Cool. Any honorable mention or I guess um, I guess you honorable have mention. List. I'd say Kanan and the First Inquisitor at the end oh, of season yeah. one. Of Rebels. I thought that was solid. that was seeing him use uh, um, Ezra's gun lightsaber. You yeah. Him shoot and then attack and and. It, and Which seeing, wasn't that the coolest lightsaber? Like what happened? Yeah, oh, man, I loved it. So I wish I would have kept it. And I also really yeah. liked Kanan really fully more more embracing him being yeah. a Jedi. But we're putting in a lot of plugs for Rebels. If yes. you haven't seen Rebels, it's you, a great you, show. And you consider yourself a real Star Wars fan, go watch Rebels. Yeah. That, that's like an amazing show. Yeah, you're missing Clone out. Wars is another one. I haven't watched Darren's watched it. it that is my all time favorite anything right. Star Wars is Clone Wars TV okay. show. Love it. Okay. Say your top three. Okay, honorable mention. The Force Awakens duel between um, Ray and Kylo Ren. Yes, yeah. it's just a, it's it's good. It's it's yeah. like it's like real fighting. It's gritty. It's like a return back to like emotional fighting and um, the whole the whole like Ray pulling the lightsaber out of the snow like was one of the best Star Wars moments I've ever. I wasn't had. expecting that actually. Yeah, that to her to do that. Were you expecting like it to be Luke or something? I for some reason I. I when he was pulling towards it, I knew you. You know, he built up to Ray. Yeah. They had the whole vision, so you know it's her. Uh, but for some reason, when it just pulls by Kylo and yeah. it goes right into Ray's outstretched hand, and she's so right. surprised, you kind of feel that surprise as well as the audience. Right. And I remember everyone cheering in the theater, and yeah, it just it was a very Star Wars moment. <laughs> right. But then you have like a bunch of people. Like I have a lot of friends who are like, "How could she do that? She's she's so new in the force." Why could Luke yeah. uh, blow up the Death Star? That's what I'm who's saying. a farm boy yeah. who's shooting womp rats in the desert. So. <laughs> This whole thing of like Ray being yeah. a Mary Sue, Luke, the the same argument can be made for Luke. Exactly. Same argument. Good so. point. So yeah, I, I throw that and the Last Jedi scene like in honorable mention. I don't know where it sits yet. Okay, the la- sorry, which one? Are you talking about with the yeah, throne? The battle against the Praetorian. I was gonna throw that in there, but I was like, well, are they? They're not dueling each other with lightsabers. Yeah. They're fighting with the lightsabers, so that's why I didn't include it. Exactly. But if, yeah. we, if, we're, if we're including that, that would honestly be my number two. Okay. And then I would put Luke versus Darth Vader in number three. Okay. Because yeah, I, I love that scene. Okay, so I, so I put number three is Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Yes, yeah. 
Darth Vader says, I am your father. Yep. Um, the, the visuals that if you look back and like think about how they created this, like in what was it, 1980? Uh-huh. Like yep. the backdrops, the, oh, the sets. The, the like set with it, the orange light and the dark. It still holds up, man. Oh, like totally. if you if you watch that bridge scene where he's like hanging on the bridge yep. and he's just screaming, no! yeah. <laughs> like so ugly, right? Yeah. Where, like if you look at the backdrop, it's it, it's like so well done. Yep. And and the whole dialogue between Darth Vader and Luke. I think the the dialogue between Darth Vader and Luke, like in all movies, every single time hits home like yes. there's never a moment where it's like oh that was wasted dialogue nope. or yeah. that that wasn't helping to build their relationship yeah. or the tension right yeah everything hits yeah so that's why number three is empire strikes back number two is return of the jedi i put it a little higher up because it, it, it is like what we talked about already the 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 dynamics having the emperor there kind of egging on luke yes. darth vader also egging him on but then also like kind of starting to feel that you know this is my son and and it started, and I always think, I always think, was Darth Vader like, you know, hoping to like take over the galaxy with Luke and oh, I totally stay in the dark side? You know what I mean? I totally think it was until the very end. Yeah. And I, I love how it completes Anakin's story arc. Yeah. And in, in, especially with the prequels and seeing how Anakin was a good person. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and like, I'm fully throwing this out there, like, the fighting in Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back is like pretty boring to watch, right? Yeah. But that shows you how good it is. It's like the fighting doesn't matter that much. Yeah. But then I say that, but then I put number one, Phantom Man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. But, but the thing is, dude, when I was like, I was nine years old, right? And I see these two cool, like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon were awesome. Well, and seeing the Jedi actually, yeah. seeing them at their height, yeah. fighting lightsabers, which we didn't really get in the original trilogy, right? Dude, I can't get enough Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and yes. Darth Maul throwing down, Do you right? remember? Do you remember? Okay, so I was... 15 when this came out yeah was that 15 14 or 15 uh do you remember how you felt when the doors open up and you see you see uh, darth maul Dude. and he holds out his lightsaber and one blade comes out Bro, oh and then my the second gosh. one wasn't yes. that just oh my god like mind-blowingly like, awesome as a little kid that like that's the, that's the part i was going to reference like that one moment was like Sorry, i didn't mean to steal your no 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 that, that that's i'm so glad you did because you probably did it better than i was. If like the doors open and then you're in like what is it? It's like the bay where all the like the, uh -huh. the I don't even know what to call the planes uh, and stuff. Yeah, the, the, the fighters, fighter, the fighters, yeah. and like it was just so cool because like Queen Amidala is like, all right, we gotta go do this. Mm -hmm. You guys go handle that, yep, right? Yep. And they're like, we got this. Yep. And, and then you see Darth Maul. And he just looks like the baddest a you've ever <laughs> seen in your life, right? <laughs> And, like, the cool thing about his fighting is, like, he's a real fighter in real life. Like, he's a oh, stunt yeah. guy. Uh -huh. And so, like, everything he does, he has, like, he's in a squatting position. Like, he's got his whole body in a perfect alignment. In his like, black robes. In his yeah. black robes. Yeah. And, the, you know, the, the face with the horns. And then you could tell that, like, him being a fighter and a stuntman in real life, it, like, brought out a better performance from Ewan McGregor. And yes. Liam yep. Neeson, which both of those guys are like bad A anyways, yeah. right? Especially Liam Neeson, who would have known? Yeah, like, he turned into who he did. Yeah, he, he's like Taken, right? It's yep. like, <laughs> yep. it's like you got Taken guy fighting with like Ewan McGregor, who's just like Obi Wan. He's like the perfect Obi Wan. Yeah, I love him as Obi Wan. And so the whole battle, even though it is very choreographed and very like flippy and like a lot of unnecessary thrown around, like I don't care. Like I'll, uh, I'll, I'll watch that over yeah, and over again. I, the best part of that movie. Yes, definitely. And the the thing that I really loved about that scene is you really get to see, like, what is the Sith capable of? Yeah. Because you don't really see that... F I mean, you see the lightning, and you see the Force choke and whatever, but you don't get to see Darth Vader fully in action. It's more explored, I'd say, in Rogue One in that scene when he tries to get the Death Star plans. Mm -hmm. You really see it. But 
you you see visually with with how he fights and the lightsaber, but also the makeup and how Darth right. Maul looks, and and so the the reason why that that whole part of the prequel trilogy in Episode One really resonate with me or, or really sticks out is just it's it's a visual storytelling in a way that we don't get to a, in other aspects of Star Wars of of what the Sith is and who right. they are. So, and I feel like as a as a fifteen year old or as a nine year old. You saw that in that one scene of the doors opening up, him just looking so bad, a eh? <laughs> rolling on the lightsaber, and just the two blades coming out, and yeah. just him fighting. I, yeah. and I'm, I'm extremely disappointed in you that you didn't even have that on your top three. I, I, but well, whatever, man, whatever. Obi Wan versus Darth Maul and Rebels, the, like how that whole story came to a close. That's that's why. Darren, you included a, a, a cartoon series lightsaber duel. I, I know. Instead of Darth Maul. I know. <laughs> I debated this. Yeah, you better not regret it. I don't regret it. I'm not. I'm, I'm not kidding. even apologizing. I understand if there's frustration or annoyance, but to Darren's credit, like that one scene in Rebels, it like it, it, it's it's really good because of the history you knew of in the Phantom Menace yes. and all that happens in Clone Wars yep. and Rebels, and it is a really cool scene. It's really short, but it's. And awesome. at first, I hate. I'm like, really? Yeah. This long? Yeah. But then when they went over about the whole samurai influence. All right, cool. Let's, are we good with lightsabers? Yep, we're good with lightsabers. Okay, we're going into our maestro's moment. This is where we examine um, John Williams and the brilliance that he created with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the one we're, what I'm going to highlight today, and Darren's never heard this, but I'm going to show you a clip from one of my favorite podcasts. Oh. Rebel Force Radio, they do this bit. Oh, it's called, yeah. okay. it's called Oxygen. Okay. And it's, uh, they call it Oxygen because John Williams, or George Lucas, actually, he referred to... The music of Star Wars as the oxygen of Star Wars. Oh, it's what I would help. agree with that. It, it's it's what makes it completely live. Yep. It gives it breath. It gives yep. it life, and so that's why they call their segment oxygen. So a lot of the segments I'll do in the Maestro's Moment is is bits that come from oxygen. Where this guy named David W. Collins, he breaks down the music and kind of dissects it, like to the point where it's like a DNA, and he finds what does this mean? Where does it come from? Why are why are these notes that way? Which is really cool. Yeah. And so today's. Um, we're gonna dive into the main title. Like, who know? Do you know the main title of Star Wars? What's the main song of Star Wars? Oh, okay. So it's referred to as the main title. Yeah, it's uh, it's not. Oh, is it Leia's theme? No, it's, it, he calls it Luke's theme, right? Luke's okay. And it, it's the music that comes blasting in right after you see it in a galaxy far, far oh, away. Okay, for right? some reason I da, thought that da, was titled da, da, something da, else. Da, da. I, yeah, yeah. Terrible. Please don't listen to that. But, <laughs> but like that main title, right? So if any of you are familiar with um, A Hero's Journey, Joseph Campbell, and we talked about this before, yep. but Joseph Campbell is something super interesting to me. He is an American mythologist who came up with what's called the monomyth, aka the hero's journey. Hero's journey is something understood by a lot of different um, writers, story creators, and it's something that we watch all the time, every day. It's in pretty much every story that we see. And jo- Joseph Campbell came up with a theory that every story that you ever listen to is pretty much the same story, just told in a different way. And the hero's journey consists of different um, aspects, like someone living in an ordinary world, getting a call to leave that world and entering into a special world where they face a set of challenges, enter into the deepest cave, and then they overcome the deepest, they call it the dragon. They slay the dragon and then they return back to their ordinary world. So Joseph Campbell, I'm super obsessed with this. So excuse me if I'm ranting on about Joseph Campbell. No, but no. this, what's this re- is like Star Wars is based off of Joseph Campbell. George Lucas 
met with Joseph Campbell before he wrote Star Wars and it actually helped him create it. So some, something that you'll notice um, with Star Wars and a lot of these stories that you've read or watched in movies is that they'll always have a main character who a lot of times is an orphan. Did you notice? Luke is an orphan. Harry Potter is an orphan. Oh, yeah. Frodo's an orphan. A crucial part of this hero's journey is they have to, they have to get a call from someone or first from the world asking them, hey, you need to leave and kind of take on this challenge. Leave where you're at and go to a new world. For Luke, Obi-Wan asks him to leave. And a lot of times they have a refusal of the call where they yep. say, no, nah, I don't want to. I like where I'm at. I want to stay here. And, and like with Luke, Obi-Wan you know, said, hey, you need to come with me and, yeah. and become a Jedi. But what happened? So you want to go to Tashi Station and get parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and what actually happens is for his call to action, he comes back and, and, and his aunt and uncle yeah. are burning, right? Yeah. For Harry Potter, he gets called. All these letters get sent to him. Uh -huh. And it takes Hagrid to show up. A lot of times you see an older elderly figure with a beard <laughs> Gandalf, <laughs> with an accent, Gandalf, yeah, and they all come oh, with this, it, yeah. this call to action asking them, you need to leave this world and you need to go on this adventure. So anyways, the hero's journey, if you're interested in it, you should look it up. It's really cool. There's a lot of interesting aspects that are laced between all of our favorite stories that we've ever seen. But David W. Collins, he references the hero's journey. He talks about the main title. And so right now I'm going to play a clip. And let's just listen in on Oxygen and what David W. Collins and the kind of the, the magic that he's able to show us through John Williams' music. And this is actually a quote from John Williams in the liner notes. The first melody in the Star Wars score is the theme associated with Luke Skywalker. When I thought of a theme for Luke and his adventures, Williams says, I composed a melody that reflected the brassy, bold, masculine, and noble qualities I saw in the character. When the theme is played softly, I tended towards a softer brass sound, but I used fanfarish horns for the more heraldic passages. This theme in particular brings out the full glow of the glorious brass section of the London Symphony Orchestra. So here's what's interesting. This is what Michael Mattesino writes, and this is something that I that is going to relate to Luke and Leia's theme and to the main title. We're going to learn something very new about the main title right here, right now. You ready? I'm locked and loaded. Let's do this. The ready? Star Wars I'm ready. theme perfectly conveys the heroism at the heart of the saga with the economy of its opening fifth. Um, what they mean is that it's uh, reaching upward. That's the, oh. that's the opening fifth, right? Which he says is kind of reaching upward. The descending triplet, which is gathering strength for another try, right? And the triumphant lift to an octave above the opening note, attainment of the goal. You know, uh, and then it does it again. The note is savored, and then the last four notes are repeated, reassurance of the achievement. Then the phrase rounds out simply and effectively, the task completed. So he's actually saying that the melody itself is the hero's journey. And that's wow. kind of what I wanted to talk about. I actually, um, I worked on a, a, a video game called Journey, which was this really wonderful um this guy is Journey. a, he's a like video game creator. Works for Lucas Films. Oh, won a lot of major awards. Nerd. It was wonderful, <laughs> and I was very lucky to just uh, be a part of it. But um, if you look at Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and the twelve stages of a hero's journey—sort of the ordinary world and the call to adventure, refusal of the call, then meeting the mentor, crossing the threshold—all that kind of stuff, right? Um, uh, then it goes to you know you go through a series of tests, you know. Uh, approach into the inmost cave, you have this huge ordeal, this ro reward, road back, all this kind of stuff, right? So it, it kind of creates, when you look at it on a graph, 
this sort of three-act mountain, if you looked at it on a graph of, oh. of, of the highs and lows of the hero's journey, right? The first act kind of just looks like a, a bit of a, of a, of a not-so-steep hill and then kind of falls down. And then it goes up a much, much bigger hill, like a super high steep hill after the fall down and then descends at the very end. Um, that's kind of like the arc of the hero's journey. And what's interesting about the game journey we did is that the, the geography of the mountain, you're literally climbing a mountain in this, in this game. They actually modeled the geometry of the game based off of the graph that Joseph Campbell lays out of the hero's journey. Well, I want, oh, wow. to, I want to put to you that the melody of Star Wars does the same thing, right? So it's the presentation, the first reach, and then you're gathering strength. The hero does it, right? And then reassurance. And then the denouement. The, the melody itself contains the hero's journey. And what's really interesting about Luke and Leia's theme is they're stuck in the gathering strength portion, right? Right. Now he's diving a little deeper yeah. into like how yeah. the main title relates to Luke and Leia's. But how about that? That's way cool. So that wow, I had mind blowing. Right? That is mind blowing. I had no idea. So but John, see it. John Williams, without he, I bet you he didn't even know that George Lucas like created like the hero's journey, like an epic about the hero's journey, just you know the classic hero's journey in the coolest galaxy far, far. But then John Williams makes the music for it. And the whole theme is the hero's journey. I wonder if you see the same thing with the Harry Potter theme. The do, 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 do. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And he actually references in one of his podcasts about how it relates to the Lord of the Rings theme. Oh, wow. But it's just how brilliant is John Williams that like that that opening moment where we first see the, you know, the scrolling font, the yellow letters in Star Wars. First thing we hear is, hey, we're about to take you on a hero's journey. Yeah, that is cool. That is way cool. I I had no yeah. idea. So, I mean, there you go. That's the Maestro's moment for today. Uh, hope you listen to that's it. A gr- that's a great time. first Maestro moment right yeah. there. Yeah, David W. Collins. He's brilliant. He plays the piano the whole time when he explains the music. Jeez. So it's awesome. Go listen to it. It's Rebel Force Radio, Star Wars Oxygen. But anyways, let's oh, now dive into... All right. <clears throat> so, uh, Galaxy Review... So I'm reviewing the two episodes of Rebels that came on yes. on Monday night, uh, so, so Jedi Knight and the Doom. And so just real quick, uh, I used to do a comic book podcast because I, I'm that nerdy. And when <laughs> I review, I would, we would do a system that I really liked to uh, buy it, like it's great, you want to own it, uh, borrow it, like it was good, you don't need to, oh, you should cool. check it out, yeah, yeah. or the, ignore it. Ratings like, criteria, kind yeah, of, Yeah, right? because yeah, you know, if you do like a seven or eight, what does that really mean? Yeah. So. Buy it, borrow it, ignore it. I'm going to re- say that these are definitely buy it. Okay. I So a major character was was axed, you know? Spoiler alert! Yeah. Spoiler <laughs> So I feel like we already talked about yeah, spoiler yeah, yeah. alert before. Um, and you're seeing the team really come around and see how do they how do they mourn. And it was interesting because they mourn in different ways, in, in ways that an audience member will relate to at least one of the characters. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things I really liked. I thought that you really saw Kanan embrace he who fully, got axed, he who got axed, fully embrace him being a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of. And George Lucas would take the Jedi and use uh, samurai uh, movies as well as samurai history to to really influence who the Jedi were as characters. And you see a lot of symbolism with the samurai with Kanan before he embarks on his last mm-hmm. journey. 
to save Hera. And so I thought that was really interesting to take like like, a, like when he's like sitting at the altar yep, and he, he takes cuts off his, his hair. hair. Yep. Yeah, I was like, where's this coming? This yeah, gotta come from, from Samurai. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. At least according to the creators, that's what that's what they were doing. Um, I also really like that you saw a lot of great moments with Chopper and Hera. Now Chopper is his angry droid. They kind of describe him as an angry cat. He's like grumpy R two D two. Yes, exactly. But you saw a lot of tender moments, especially when he held out his hand for yeah, Hera. That was actually thought, pretty tender. Yeah, I, I really liked that a lot. There were a lot of moments in this episode that like could have fallen flat. Oh like, yeah, they actually just hit home. Yeah, so, like I, the banter between uh, Hera and and Kanan. Yes, it was like actually like it was really like yes. it was like. Very was it slapstick and it was actually pretty funny. Yeah, but it was also like heartfelt. And I was yes, like, I, and the whole episode, you're like, they set it up really well because you're like, dude, something's going down with yep. Kenny. Yep. Right. I thought he lasts a little bit longer. Yeah. But he no, they and we all. I always figured he was gonna die. And you, he was a Jedi. You can't have. I don't think you can have any more Jedi. I personally yeah. think Ezra. Something's gonna happen to Ezra. Yeah. I'm not sure yet. Um, yeah, I thought a lot of heartfelt moments. I also really liked that it added a lot to the Jedi mythology in the sense of. Uh, I thought you saw Kanan become a Jedi of how they're supposed to be and not right. how they were at the end of the prequels when right. they've lost their way. Um, you saw him really embrace the Force in the sense of the, he was a tool for the Force. Um, and really just, when they describe what the Force th flow through you, what does that really mean? But I feel like with, with Kanan at the end, you got to see that. Um, and well as there's the symbolism of his eyes, he, so Kanan's blind, but now you can actually see right at the, at the very end. end. And so it's like a lot of clarity for him, a lot of clarity for the team, eventually, a lot as well as a lot of clarity for what does it mean for him to be a Jedi. Right. So a lot of great moments there, and so I would definitely give it a buy it. I absolutely love the episode. Yeah. A lot to digest as well as the Star Wars. No, that's an awesome review. I like I loved it. It was probably one of my favorite Rebels episodes. Yep, I'd agree. And yeah, that was such a cool moment. Like when he so one one aspect about this is like he died saving like the, the whole team. crew yeah. of rebels, but then also it, it was a huge like wrench in the the Empire's plans. Which ties into the Rogue One. Which ties bit. it tied into Rogue One so yeah. well because because yeah. now like the the Tide Defender was like an initiative. Yep. But now because that was destroyed, the fuel cells were destroyed. Yep. They won't be able to do it. Nope. I, the Empire's gonna have to turn to Krennic now, and they're yep. gonna have and to go. And it's full on Death Star now. Full on Death Star. So it was like they tied it in so well. So one thing really interesting about the hero's journey, I'm coming back to it now, is uh -huh. something that always happens in all these stories is a main character or a sage, usually the one who calls the hero to action, has to pass away yep. during the threshold crossing moment where the hero leaves the ordinary world and enters into the new world. So and you're saying like Ezra? So, yeah. So what I'm saying and what I think just happened is they just set up the perfect ending like segment of, of episodes because this is the end of Rebels. Yeah. And so now they just said, okay, we got rid of Kanan Ezra's sage, Ezra's teacher, and now we're really taking you on his on his journey, his final journey. Yep. Isn't it, which isn't, yep. isn't that so cool? Like yep. Luke, what happens? Obi-Wan dies, and, and Gandalf passes away, saving all the people. Yep. Obi-Wan passes away, saving, saving all the oh. people. Dumbledore yep. passes away, saving, saving all. Yeah. And that's what happens here. And it, it's really just, it's, it's like a blatant in our face to all the Star Wars nerds. Hey, we're now it's Ezra's journey. And yeah, watch what unfolds. So, oh, that's sounds really exciting. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't even think about that when yeah. I saw it. That's yeah. way cool. So yeah, that's my that's my. Review. Another episode was Doom. Doom. Yeah, like I kind of combine them into yeah, okay. to two of them. Yeah, they're 
There, there are two episodes, but they both came on on Monday. They're to me like the same. Yeah, yeah. Which so, so buy it is the TV. buy it. Yes, buy. It. I, I think you should it. buy Rebels anyway. Right. At least watch them. But yeah, definitely this one. I'd say buy it. Well, how can you watch Rebels? It's on Disney XD, I think. So I buy it on on the Apple. I buy the season pass yeah. on Apple TV. Yeah. And so I do it that way. Other people they'll wait till the DVD comes. The season comes out at the end of the yeah. season. But I I can't wait that long. So I just buy them on Apple TV. And just if watch you the if next you want to feel like a grown man. In front of your family, pull up Disney Rebels. <laughs> That'll do it for you. Even if my two-year-old like loves it, so he wants to watch it with me. Yeah. So that's uh, why I'm stoked. I have a son now. <laughs> now. Now I have a like a valid excuse to tell my wife, "Hey, I gotta watch some Star Wars car- cartoons." Yeah. So I would watch Re- uh, Clone Wars uh, when I was single. That made that made you feel cool. So <laughs> as a as a 28 year old adult man. Awesome. Um, all right. So we move on to our like I guess the the reason for the show uh, yeah. symbols. Symbols. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So now we're gonna break down symbols from the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. Yeah. And so I guess I can start off. Um, yeah. One symbol I thought was really interesting is is that they introduced in the Force Awakens, like they introduced the the hilt to Kylo Ren's mm-hmm. lightsaber, which I thought was interesting. And, and I I felt like it was a theme that J.J. Abrams was trying to show because what happens in the opening shot of of, of the of the movie. The pan down. Oh yeah. What do you get? You get you get a, a ship over. Get over the ship the over when he's got a cross on it too, right? Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, it does. I, I think there was something there, and I, I, we're probably just looking into things, which we totally are. But like, I, I, it's the, the whole purpose of this, of this right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think the symbol that that it was it might have been looking at was um, was it referencing King Arthur? Like, in that we're kind of gonna watch a King Arthur's journey. Um, pulling the sword out of the stone, yeah, and, and it was kind of Ray and Kylo Ren were trying to do it, trying to get that next lightsaber to heed the calling that they yeah. have. Which Ray didn't really know what her calling was. Kylo, but neither did King Arthur. N- neither did King. And Arthur. King Arthur is. It's interesting you bring that up because King Arthur is what he is. I don't know if he's an orphan, but he's definitely this. At least according to the Disney version and uh, other versions I've seen. Which is the most historically correct. <laughs> it's definitely the best, right? <laughs> that and Disney Robin Hood are the best. Robin Hood and Sword of the Stone stories. Yeah. But, but he's he's a servant boy. He's he's poor. Yeah. Um, not really of worldly worth. That's true, yeah. And then he... But he but because of that, he has this calling to then be king and, and start start something new. This new order. There you go. And Which is what Ray's doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're both kind of doing it, but then I, I, it's like it's like, hey, here's a King Arthur kind of type of yeah. journey yeah. for from two people. Yeah. Let's find out who the real one is, yeah. and then you have the moment where the the sword is in the stone, right? Yeah. The lightsaber's in the snow. It jiggles. Yeah. Which gave me chills, right? Yep. And, and the fact that my wife was like cheering when it happened <laughs> it was not Star Wars. I was like, yeah. let's go. This is, yeah. And, and so like, I, I don't know what comparison there is, but I feel like there's something there. And I feel like looking into King Arthur's like um, story might help us know Ray's journey. Yeah, well, yeah. I, th- I think it's interesting because they can also kind of tie this into conflict okay. of how you look at Kylo Ren. There's the Knights of Ren. You have Knights of the Round Table. You have he has the hilt. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like he's trying he's trying to f- to force himself to be a King Arthur type mm, character mm. but you can't force it you and there, it's an interesting with with no pun intended no pun intended yeah. so with with star wars and the sequel trilogy i really feel like and you see this on the force awakens poster you see kylo and ray uh posed to each other yeah they're like parallel and then you also yes and then you also of course you see it with not only them fighting 
of course, each other in Force Awakens, but then in The Last Jedi, they find the throne room, and they're fighting side by side, they're fighting fight yep, back, back to back. back. And then you think this conflict is resolving, but of course it doesn't because then they go their separate ways and the lightsaber explodes. Um, But I also think there's a lot of conflict within Kylo, and there's not as much conflict within Rey because Kylo is trying to force himself to the dark side. And we know that a theme of this movie is balance in the Force. That that you had the Jedi, you had the Sith, they went very opposite directions, Mm -hmm. and that the Force kind of, I feel, used Anakin to kind of start over. And, and say, look, there's, there is no dominant side. You need to be in the middle. And Kylo, <coughs> you see this in the, visually with, with the scar he has in the beginning of The Last Jedi, we know is obviously from, from Rey. But Snoke mentions to Kylo that when you killed your father, when you killed Han Solo, there was, it unbalanced you and unsettled you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that scar is kind of this, this, visual representation of Kylo being split in two and trying mm-hmm. and even says in Force Awakens of I feel the pull towards the dark towards the light side right. and I'm conflicted so everything he's trying to do is to solve this conflict but then him solving the conflict ends up causing more conflict because he's trying to stray from the middle um, I also you also see with the kyber crystal that it's it's or the, Kylo's lightsaber is a little broken right oh yeah the, the and it's like uncontrolled. Right? Yeah, yeah. So Unstable. we know the, that the the thing that causes the lightsaber is a crystal called a kyber crystal. And for it to turn red is you have to basically, they call it bleeding the kyber crystal, is you then force your hate into the crystal and then you, for, you force a bond with it. And I wonder if it's broken or, or um, has a crack in it because... Kylo tried to force himself onto the kyber crystal, but not being fully committed because he still is. He feels this cold uh, light. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. Wow, that's pretty deep. Like. So I think there's a lot of. Analysis I think if Kylo were to be pulled towards the middle and accept that, that that conflict would be resolved for him, as opposed to trying to solve it by going to the dark. But so there's an interesting little science there. I yeah, think. Yeah. You bring up like Kylo's lightsaber is such a cool symbol like because of what you're saying right mm-hmm. it's, it's not stable yeah, it's not it's, stable it doesn't He's not know stable. where he wants so it's just shooting out everywhere yep. yep wow and maybe it needs the exhaust port or the, or the hilt because it, it's not stable I'm not sure about that well there's there's some um, in the in the books they have some uh, lightsabers with hilts on them so and he's also insecure because he wears a mask right? yeah yep 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 he's insecure conflict um, Probably the best character from the sequel trilogy, right? My, my favorite. Gotta yeah. be. Last, that's why I love The Last Jedi so much because it made Kylo an interesting character. Um, and I think with the conflict, then you can also talk about balance. Mm-hmm. So there's the whole thing of when Kylo is about to kill Han Solo. If you look at his face, there's a blue light on one side and red on the other. Mm-hmm. And it's him with this, again, conflict balance issue. Mm-hmm. And then once he decides to kill Han Solo, the light fully goes red on his face. Mm-hmm. Um, that, was, that was a really well like uh, shot yes, scene, right? Yeah. So, and, and yeah, so anyway, those are my thoughts on conflict. I don't know if there's any other... Yeah, well, I'm sorry. That, as we're discussing that, I'm thinking of, you know how Kylo Ren, like, he stopped Luke when he, when he had his lightsaber, like, in yep. The Last Jedi? Yep. It just re- reminded me of, like, that, that's kind of paralleled um, Poe shooting him in the beginning of Episode 7. He, like, okay. he stopped the shot. Oh, like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little it's, foreshadowing. Yeah, a little Shout bit. Shout out to a little foreshadowing a little in The Force Awakens. Yeah. But not really. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember you also were talking about, before you talked about um, 
with the d- destruction with Crate with Luke and Kylo. Do you want to? Oh yeah, yeah, on Crate. You know, jumping to the Last Jedi. Uh, it was really cool to kind of look at Luke's journey versus Kylo's journey. Mm-hmm. Luke's journey is going towards the passive route. I'm gonna stay away. I'm stepping away. Um, I can't touch this anymore. I need to go hide. And Kylo's is like the exact opposite. I need to go like make cause damage, yeah. destruct. I need to go lay down. And that's kind of what happens on Crate, right? On Crate, you see that Kylo when he first of all he he tells every ATAT. Or I don't even know what they're called. Are they gorilla walkers, I think. Um, they're called like ATATs. But he, tell, he tells them to shoot every blaster on yeah. Luke, right? And it just causes visually. What do you see? You see this white land just become red. It just changes color, flies up in the air, goes everywhere. When he walks on the on the salt, you see red going everywhere. It's it, it's he's leaving a path of yeah. It's it just because it's white, right? Pure white, yeah. and then it's just being sullied with red. Exactly, and it, and it leaves a, a path of quote unquote. Um, destruction. Yeah. And then when Luke shows up, he he's obviously a force projection. Mm-hmm. But when he walks around, you can you can nothing changes. It stays yeah. the same. It, it kind of represents to me like his passive character in this movie, and yeah. that he doesn't want to affect anything. He wants to stay away because he's already done too much damage. He feels like, and he probably feels that all that damage that he sees visually is his own doing. Right? Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was interesting how how Ryan Johnson kind of painted the picture symbolically with the salt. Yeah, no, yeah, and even um, while the the two forces are coming together, you have the ship spraying up the, the red salt. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, um, and one other thing that came to mind was um, rebirth, reborn. Okay. You look at Rey when she goes into the cave and she realizes, and this is in The Last Jedi, that she, it's her, that there is no family. Yeah. But her hair's different. Yeah. So oh, you see okay. how... And she looks, it's like she's gone from her Jakku younger self to now she is being reborn to being something more than what she was. Yeah. And kind of now taking on this purpose and much more. And you look at how she approaches Kylo Ren as well. It's much more purposeful. Like, I'm going to help you come back. Yeah. As opposed to I'm fighting against you. I'm scared of you. You're I'm, crazy. Yeah, I'm, you're I'm a murderer. It's like this whole new purpose rebirth. You also see with the, with the destruction of the Jedi tree with Yoda, um, how, you know, Luke is about to destroy it. And Luke, to me, was never really part of the Jedi Order, right? Right. He was not, he was not a continuation of it. Yoda was. Mm-hmm. And it's Yoda who destroys the tree of like, you know what? We do need to burn down the old, mm-hmm. purge it, yeah. and let Rey... Burning of the bush. Burning of the bush, <laughs> yeah. And let Rey bring it back to where it should be and where it could be. Just yeah. start all over. And those Jedi texts she has... I also don't, they're the first Jedi texts. I don't think they're really, again, part of the Jedi, Jedi Order because this is still in the beginning of the this stages, like right? This is like forced texts. This is where, yes, this is where it should have, what it could have been, should be. So I don't count those as part of the, the purge. But um, anyway, so that was. Which, which also, now that you're bringing that up, like, so first of all, hair. I noticed mm-hmm. in uh, The Last Jedi, Leia's hair. If you like looked at like the the hairdo, yeah, 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 <laughs> I need for her style. Let's bring let's bring the woman in on this. Yeah, one. yeah, babe, come here. <laughs> so, but the hairdo, it looks fresh on Leia, but it's also in the shape of, of Darth Vader's helmet. Which, yeah. yeah, which I don't know what they like in the first trailer of the the movie. They had like the the silhouette shot of Leia, uh-huh. and that's when I noticed. I was like, dude, that's that's Darth Vader's helmet yeah. in formation. Yeah. So I, I think they're trying to like 
call back to Leia's carrying the weight of her father. Yes. Um, and like kind of what, what her father did. And the destruction of his legacy. And the destruction really. of his legacy, yeah. And then going back to what you're saying about Luke, what's really interesting is I just thought about it. Like Luke, it, I, I think this is the moment when Rey goes on her journey. Like even though we've been watching her journey, it's yeah. kind of she's kind of been like tagging along, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about active versus passive characters. Yep. Kind of things have been having her go different places. Uh, up till now, but Luke dies at the end, saving everybody. Just yeah. like we talked about this whole episode, right? And so, is this is this significant in that this means Ray will go on her journey now? She doesn't have Luke there anymore. Yep. She's gonna have to do this by herself. She's gonna have to figure things out. Go into this new world of it's me versus Kylo. Kylo. It's kind of been cool though because it's been a hero's journey and then an anti-hero's journey. Yes. This whole time. Which and is what like that's what Luke and yeah. Anakin are, right? Yeah. Anti-hero journey, hero journey. And, and what, what is what is so so we've had that's really cool. We've had Anakin go on this anti-hero journey. Yep. We've had Luke go on it. And now we're gonna have simultaneously a hero and an anti-hero go at it. Which and, yeah which you, your theory is to get balance, right? Yeah again that's it's to, it's to establish balance. Yep. Yeah. And, and so maybe looking at Kylo when Kylo killed Han that was like his chant. That was his crossing of the veil, crossing yep. of the threshold moment yep. as an anti-hero. Yes, to enter the new world of okay, I'm really going to become. Which a makes sense. Like one is destructive, one is yeah, one is uh, more of like again, Anakin's was destructive. Luke's was more happenstance. Someone mm-hmm. dies and leads them there. Right. Was, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about yeah. that. So yeah, there you go. Do you do you have any other uh, good examples of symbols? Oh, no, uh, well, I was looking at the time, but well, yeah. One last one I'd like to throw out to, to kind of wrap it up, which is kind of a weird one to wrap it up. But Canto Bite, I thought was interesting. Because oh I'm yeah, I like this one. Familiar, familiar with like secret societies, like the quote unquote Illuminati. Yep. Or I, I don't know what you know. Knights of Templar. The or New World Order, whatever. Uh-huh. You, you see these a lot in movies. That, that's like what the Illuminati, I think, or sorry, the Canto Bite is representing this this kind of underworld culture. Um, society that runs things that's in charge of things that has a lot of power in, in the world in this case the universe but they're kind of hidden no one in plain sight mm-hmm. and they they kind of supply the good and the bad right yeah they're just out there I don't want to say manipulating events but definitely have a say in events through yeah. their money yeah and they're making money off of the, the people yeah. So I, anyways, I, I thought that was interesting. All right, audience, listeners, uh, thank you for listening again to another episode. We promise we will get better every time. <laughs> again, we, we think this episode was a little better than the first. We might have detracted. We might have gotten better. But, but we, we love you all, and thank you for listening, and may the force be with you.